Yeah, man. It's your boy Franchise, and I'm back with another episode of the Brother Stop It podcast, man. And I got my man, this guest right here, man. It's mom blowing to me because I ain't gonna lie, man. Like when I first started thinking of doing the podcast, it was kind of one of the reasons that I said I gotta have like the first people I was thinking of or who I'm gonna try to ever get on my podcast and my goals. Like I had to draw a whole list out. And he definitely was like in the top three people, you know what I'm saying? And I didn't know when I was going to connect with the brother. It was a blessing to be able to connect with him. I got none other than my man, brother, polite in the building, man. Real Appreciate tough. that, brother. What's up, man? It's a real serious brother out there, man. And it's very, it's very humbling experience for me to just have him right here. I know I've been talking a lot. I'm long-winded, too. Nah, it's all good. <laughs> Everything but, um, making sense. I just want to say, first of all, I just got to ask you the first question I got to start off with is... Let's get it. Let's do it. What the hell is going on in our country right now, man? Like, is this guy going to get away with this? And what's the best and worst things that can come out of this situation <clears throat> from your perspective? The worst things that's going to come out of the situation is that we get involved with fights that don't pertain to us. In addition to getting jumped by several different communities because this is an attack that's taking place that is not exclusive to just Mexicans, not exclusive to just Russians, not exclusive to Muslims. This is a very diverse attack and all simultaneous, may I add. So the worst thing that could come out of the situation, which I think is inevitable, is that we're going to get hit from several sides. The good thing about it is, if black people decide to rise up, then it'd be the most opportune moment to do so. Because when a nation has foreign threats and they oppress their own citizens, that nation can ill afford to have a civil war while they have to take care of an external war. You feel me? It's like the human body. You can say, I'm ready to go out there and bang. I'm ready to rep for my team and fight for my crew. But how can you do that if you have diabetes and your legs are swollen or you can barely see your ankles or you got high blood pressure? You can't, you can't really have an internal war and suggesting to people you're ready to fight the external war. So we look at America like a body. And right now, the way they've treated black people is the cancer. So if you watch what's going on now, quiet is kept. The oppressive white man is very humble before the black man because he's going to need him to take on this external fight amongst the diverse forces that he's engaging because this is what he does all the time he treats us horribly until he gets overwhelmed when he starts taking on other races and now he'll start giving us privileges like you know um we'll cut your student loan if you just risk your life and fight this war we'll even give you a better education so i see it coming what one of the greatest things that could happen to us is that we unify in light of this scenario and we also bear witness that this thing that they call black on black crime is a farce because people of their own community perpetrate crimes against themselves quite often it doesn't matter what community it is but they feel it suffice to identify our crime as black on black crime well this is an opportunity for us to say you know what let's bear witness to white on white crime it's going to bring about a lot of black pride it brings about a lot of black pride to me every time I see white folks going out there banging on other white folks in the name of politics. It tells me suddenly black people are not that bad. Other people are just as violent. And black people need to see this. They need to see 
the other races going to war. And we need to get the hell out of it. Now, many people say y'all should be involved with this. You of all people should understand this. Yeah, I'm part of the all people that understand that you guys didn't create all this hoopla around us when we was being oppressed. When Eric Garner got headlocked and choked out to death. When Mike Brown got shot to death. When Sean Bell got shot to death. They didn't come out in the masses to respond to them. And in fact, if we look at the 400 plus year old history going back in America, we can see no one has really responded to the mass genocide of our people. Why is that so very important? I'm going to tell you why that's so very important. The reason why that's very important is on account to this fact right here. If we can continuously be oppressed and no one really come to our aid. Why on earth should we say now we got to respond to the Muslim man's aid? The whole reason the Muslim man and the Muslim woman have to fight for their rights right now is because they didn't join in in the fight for our rights. Because the fight for our rights was simultaneously the fight for their rights. But now that it's hit home, now you learned what it's like to live a day in the life of a nigga. The very ones that you ignored this whole time. The whole time we was being raped, robbed and pillaged, castrated suffering and from and being subjected to racial animus police brutality you name it false incarcerations stop and frisk police brutality you feel me racial profiling of all sorts we've had to been subject to these things and endure from one year to the next with no one really coming to our aid and now because you got a three-month uh, privilege taken away from you to come back here to see your own family what about me having my balls detached from me? You just don't get that back in three months. What about me having my family stripped from me from a lifetime? You don't just get that back in three months. You got a three-month privilege revoked. And now we're supposed to understand. Oh, no, we understand quite quick. We understand quite clearly what's taking place. So much so, we also understand who wasn't fighting by our side when they should have listened to Dr. King when he said, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase, that... A, a social injustice perpetrated against one is a social injustice perpetrated against them all. Meaning, anybody that gets away with alienating or undermining the living circumstances of any group of humanity is attacking all groups of humanity. Dr. King called this out years ago. So now what we're looking at is the idiot masses who now just realize, hey, you know, you can't do this. Yes, they can. They've been doing it to us. And the reason why they can do it is because they've been doing it to us and you ain't give a damn. So that's where I'm at with this. The best thing that could come out of this is that we mind our business. The worst thing that could come out of it is we get involved. We should just sit here and see how other races react when they are the new nigga. Because I'm going to tell you now, when Trump's in office, and I said this before, this was my prophecy. I said Starting now, the only niggas I know are white people. And anybody that's been following me on Instagram, you see my hashtag. All the niggas I know are white. And I called it out because I said when Trump gets into office, white people, Asians and the likes will be made out to be the new niggas. They've done abuse this as much as they possibly can. And it doesn't mean that we're off the hook. I'm just saying the new niggas, the new people that got to fight for their rights and their civil liberties will not be black people. There's going to be, every other race will become a nigger. We'll be coming out of being niggers. They're going to start becoming niggers. They're going to start vandalizing and terrorizing their own neighborhoods. 
They're going to be fighting amongst each other. It's going to become addictive. So even when this argument subsides, they'll still be fighting amongst each other. Just to prove a point. They're going to become violent in nature because violence is going to be the order of the day every day of the week. So much so that when the situation gets resolved, they won't be able to shake the violent contention that is brewing or precipitating within their body. It'll become a way of life. It'll become a habit. You understand? Taxes will be raised. Rich white folks will be mad. Poor white folks will be feeling like they're alienated. All white folks in general will be angry. You feel what I'm saying? It's going to get out of control. We need to let the new nigga take our place. That's what we got to do. We need to let the, the Muslims become the new nigga. Let the Caucasians become the new nigga. We need to just step back and we need to see how it feels to be white. That's what we need to do. Let's see how it felt the whole time when they was watching us get alienated, when they was watching us get abused, when they was watching us be manipulated, when they was watching us be undermined, when they was watching our privileges being taken away. Let's see how it felt to sit in the white man's seat from his view. And the shit feel good. Quite frankly, I'm actually excited about this as it goes on every day. Yeah, I know it's going to affect me, but it was affecting me when it was at me directly. So what the hell is the difference now? I just like looking at it because they don't know how to deal with the situation. They don't know how to deal with their rights being taken away. We've done this so much. We can actually write a, a code book, a step-by-step -step guide on how to deal with the white man's bullshit when he takes away your rights deliberately in front of the whole world and embarrasses you. If, if they were smart, they should just come to us for counseling. So how do you deal with this white man under these conditions so we can give them the code? We got the keys when it comes to this shit. You feel what I'm saying? The Muslims need to come to black people because we've been dealing with this shit for years with the white man. We know it inside out. You know what I'm saying? Oh, well, don't even bother to fight for your rights, white man. Muslim, don't even bother to fight for your rights. Because more you protest, he just going to turn up on you. You feel what I'm saying? We could tell him this is going to go on for the rest of this administration. I can tell you that right now. You know what I'm saying? Take it from a 400 plus year experience. You're no different. In fact, he's going to be more appalled that you are trying to rise up against them as opposed to us. Because with us, he can understand if we tried to. And we ain't even go at him as hard as we should. Living in this nation to this very day. Still sending our children to their schools. Still being vaccinated under them. Still sending our family to their hospitals. We've handled this pretty good. We've managed to hurt each other a whole lot more than we managed to hurt him. So this white man is going to say, you guys have the gall to actually come against me? Them niggas ain't even do that. You seen how they played their role? And y'all want to come stepping out? Step out then. I think it's going to get ugly for white America, if you ask me. I think it's going to get real ugly for white America. And I'm sitting in that white man's seat, watching how it looks from a white man's point of view, when people are being abused, undermined, massively incarcerated, manipulated, white people getting locked up just for having cameras. On police. Huh, you can't do that. Police like, man, put that fucking camera down. You can't say that to me. I'm trying to tell the white man. Oh, yes, he can. He does it to us all the time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yo, hurry it up. Man, I don't, I don't know how anyone is raised Muslim or Christian or Jew their whole life. You've been raised to be a nigga in America if you're looking like me. If you got our hair texture, if you have our complexion, you've been raised to be a nigga. A nigga perpetrating the fraud of a Muslim. A nigga perpetrating the fraud of a Christian. A nigga perpetrating the fraud of a Hebrew. You've been raised to be a nigga. 
with purported options, but you didn't even choose from the selection you chose from. When you go to a sneaker store, someone has chosen amongst that which you would choose from, yet you still feel you made a choice. So when we deal with religion, you didn't really have Buddhism as an option. You didn't have Taoism as an option. Yeah, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, and some of their subordinate signatures as an option. And so someone chose from amongst that which you would choose from. And in turn, you really had no choice. Where there is no choice, that's what you was raised as. You was raised as a black man because that's how he came out. Everything else was a choice, which means you wasn't raised as such. Okay, that's a decision. When you have to make a decision about how you'll transform, that is not how you're raised. When you are something from the time you come into this world, that is how you're raised. You can be raised to be a woman if you're a woman. You can be raised to be a man if you're a man. You can be raised to be black if you're black. That's how that world works. You can't be raised into a religion. You can only convert. It's not you. So what I would suggest to the Muslim brother, I would suggest, and I was, oh, I was born Muslim. No, you wasn't because you wouldn't have had to learn from the Quran. I was born Christian. No, you had religious instruction. That's how you know about Adam and Eve. Nobody, no baby was ever born and understood the tenets and the laws, statutes, and commandments of the Most High. That is something someone had to teach you. That is something you had to make subscriptions to on account to indoctrination. The day a baby doesn't have to be taught about God and believe in God, I'll let my convictions against religion subside. But it stands to reason you have to be educated about who God is before God can actually play a part in your life. Someone has to teach you what the rules are before you actually can follow the rules as per God's request. They, the baby can be born and the baby knows to be breastfed because it's pre-encoded. Baby never been here from day one. First time on earth. From the stimulus of hunger, it incites something in the DNA for them to know where to go to be weaned. The baby was never taught where to go for breastfeeding. It's a pre-encoded gene. Why can't God pre-encode his information so we don't need different versions of the Bibles and the Qurans? See, why can't the Quran be pre-encoded in our DNA? Like the baby knows to be breastfed. Why can't we know from the time we born? By the time I start speaking, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. No, we had to learn that. No, someone taught you that. Someone taught you that. Why can't God pre-encode it in your DNA so no one has to teach you how to pronounce these words, how to recite these surahs, how to read the ayat? Why can't God just put that in your DNA so that way we won't even have so many different versions? You know why? Because everybody that's walking around has the same book of life, but the book of life is DNA and RNA. So the book of life would say the things you need to know is what you was born with. It wasn't the Quran, but you knew how to be breastfed. How about that one? Your body knows when to go through puberty. How about that? You become erect at a certain age. How about that? God couldn't say, well, let's throw the Bible inside the DNA too, so that way there will be no arguments. See how that works? But we don't want to look at common sense like that and say, damn, God could have just uploaded the DNA. He could have uploaded the Bible to our DNA so our conscience can be responsive to this information so we don't even have to go to war with each other. We wouldn't have to have a crusade, Christians against Moors. You know, they call rice and beans. 
After that, when you go over there in Morocco, mm. they call it the Crusades. They call it Moors versus Christians, rice and beans. Wow. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Just real talk. I ain't making this up. So we wouldn't even need that. If God was just sharp enough to say, yo, the same way, hold on, the same way the babies know how to be breastfed from the stimulus of hunger, maybe the stimulus are wanting to know about life. The Quran should just come to fruition in our consciousness. See? So now you don't have to worry about different versions of the Quran or different versions of the Bible. We just have to consider there's different types of people with the same information. Because no matter how many different versions of babies come out in this world, they all know how to be breastfed. There ain't no argue, argument amongst the babies the way we're going to go about sucking on the titty to get our milk. Is there? Because it's very specific. Right. From the stimulus of hunger, hunger, you get fed. You know where to go. Who taught that child where to go? It's beyond me. It's been passed on from one generation to the next over and over and over and over. But it has to obviously be pre-encoded. Who teaches the bird how to make a nest? The birds don't have a school where they take the branches and say, let's put this thing together, you know? So, like, so, so you think like religion has helped us more than, or I mean, hurt us more than it's helped us? It, ha it had to hurt us. Re religion takes away your common sense. Like this, when you start feeding a baby out of, the out of a bottle, what happens? The baby then rejects the breast. That's what the baby does. It, it cause that's why they make the nipple of the bottle called the nipple. Because it's supplanting the original thing. So now the baby's gone crazy. That's right. You, the, the first act of insanity perpetrated against a child to make them lose their mind is to give them a plastic nipple instead of the organic nipple. You know what I'm talking about? Organic food. The organic food is to suck from your, mama, your mama's breast. To give a child a bottle with a plastic nipple, and they even call it a nipple, is a damn disgrace. And then they give them a pacifier with a nipple on it that doesn't even yield any food. Which is even worse, because now that child gets gas. And what we're doing is we're relying on what the child believes to be, in essence, something that will feed it. And now the child has to learn how to come up short of expectations in this world because the child is sucking that nipple only because they believe if I keep sucking hard enough something will come out all the while they have no idea that this is a pacifier we're just trying to give this child this to shut up the child is uncomfortable put something in that child's mouth do you believe the child just wants to suck on plastic no the child is saying to himself or herself Food will eventually come out of here. You're making your baby retarded when you do stuff like this. And it sounds crazy, but you're actually making the child have mental complications. Because the child's concept of food is deranged now. Because they was pre-encoded to suck from something that yields them food. And now you're giving them something that when they do suck from it, it can't give them no food. But it's there to shut them up. It's there to pacify them. And now what you're doing is re-encoding the DNA. So now if you try to put that baby back on a titty, guess what's going to happen? The baby's going to refuse the titty for the pacifier that doesn't give them no food. You're turning your child retarded. It's an absolute fact. Because now this child would rather have something with the belief that it'll give it something. And now, now this is the birth of religion. We've just created a construct where this child would be more inclined 
to subject themselves to religious beliefs. Because one of the first beliefs is that the pacifier is going to give me something that it can't. And it will be better than the source from which it actually derives. You're actually indoctrinating that child and preparing and setting the stage for them to get into religion. So yes, religion definitely harms us. And the first portion of religion that we're introduced to is being given nipples that don't yield us food. Plastic nipples at that. That's the first form of religious indoctrination. Because that child has to believe that eventually this pacifier will give me milk. That child has to believe that. And you put that child on that belief throughout the course of that child's age after being a baby until they're able to rationalize, okay, that's a pacifier. It won't give me nothing. But I still like to suck on it now. Then it turns into let me suck on my thumb. Though my thumb won't give me no sustenance either. It's a form of retardation sucking your thumb. It's actually a form of stupidity because it's coming from the pacifier which supplanted the actual breast that's supposed to feed you. We're turning our children stupid with these practices. It's just like when you sing to your child, rock about baby on the treetop when the wind blows, the cradle will rock. Why would we tell our children to sing a song like that? Why would you put your baby on the treetop for the wind to blow, for the cradle to rock? If we do that in the hood, child services will come here. But then we look at our parents and we see how the, how the young adults and some of the Fairly older ones will throw their children in the trash, pull them out with a hanger from their uterus, try to flush them down the toilet. You say, what kind of parents would do this? So we are preparing what type of parent in that instance. So that's what religion, so religion is like, that's not even the same. Like, religion is basically the same kind of detrimental, is detrimental to our, us as a people the same way all of those things are detrimental to a baby. Of course. In, in fact, religion is for babies. That's exactly the point that I'm making. You have to be a baby in mind to accept religion. I mean, listen to some of the things that people will tell you. You got a brother named Tazariak who says the sky is going to crack. And this is the terminology. The sky is going to crack. Whatever that means. Like it's a piece of glass. The sky is going to crack. And 200 million supporters of Christ, angels, is going to come down with Christ. And they're going to overthrow the white man. And if you go, then we say, we're in the Bible that says 200 million people are going to come down here, brother. And he says it with pride. He says it with conviction. And he's a grown man. He's over 30 years old. But he certainly will say the sky is going to crack and the Lord is going to come down here in the name of Christ with 200 million black alien gangsters in the name of Christ. You see, so this is grown men saying this. Grown men saying two of every animal went on a ship. Where did the ship go? Because the pyramids are still here. You know the ship would have to be bigger than Brooklyn, right? We ain't got a piece of wood yet. Then some of them will tell you, you know they found a piece of the ark. How come you're the only one that say that? You know it's not worldwide recognition of it, right? How come you and a small group of people saying, yo, but you know the Lord just does these things. So what happened to Jesus? Oh, no, the Lord took him up. What happened to Elijah? Oh, no, the Lord took him up. What happened to Enoch? Oh no, the Lord took him up. Is there anyone that God didn't take up that we can see some remnants of his bones? Where's Paul? We don't know where the hell his bones are. Oh, he wasn't following the rules, so the Lord crushed all the bones and got rid of it. You know what I'm saying? There's always a damn excuse. You see what I'm saying? There's always an excuse because it's for children. If you're 30 years old, 40 years old, and you believe in this chaos... Oh, so the homie found out that his wife was pregnant. 
And no one even questions, first of all, how old was Mary when she was conceiving? For her to have a husband named Joseph in the first place and how old he was. For him not even to impregnate her, which would have been pedophilia. But for her to still be pregnant and everyone just lets it go. And no one even suggests or says to us, you know, Mary was way too young to have a baby in the first place. So first of all, we need to talk to God about his pedophilia ways. Because God is a pedophile. Now I don't care if she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a pedophile. And he was commissioned by God to have sex with a minor. You see? Then when the pastors practice it, where did that come from? But that's just like rocking my baby on the treetop being sung to children. Then later on, they trash their babies. And you say, where's the connection? Why would someone do something like that? Well, why would the pastors do what they do? Because their God is a pedophile. And that God commissioned the Holy Spirit in the form of Gabriel to impregnate Mary at a very tender age. Who already had a husband that was too old for her in the first place. So she cheated on her husband with the Holy Spirit. Went through a normal nine-month birth period. She went through a normal nine-month birth period. And people get upset. And Prophet, and Prophet Muhammad was illiterate. Okay. They say he couldn't read. But he received a book and he was told the Ikra or to read in the name of a sustainer. But some would say recite. But the man was given a book and he couldn't read. But that's part of the miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, so the prophet was the best example. So should we all walk around and make sure we don't read to follow the sunnah of Prophet Muhammad? Well, that's, that's what we should do, right? See, shit gets stupid. And then when you go into the translation, you, re you realize that the word... Is umi that they're using for illiterate, which means unlettered, which means that's when a person doesn't understand a language from a specific scripture. Not that they can't read at all. So it's umi as in mother and it's umi meaning unlettered, meaning one who can't understand language as it relates to a specific scriptural corpus. But you leave it to the ignorant and the ignorant will tell you. He couldn't read, and that was part of the miracle because he got the Quran over a set series of years. And he mastered it. So an illiterate man encouraged everyone to read the book. You see, we wouldn't even say something wrong with the story. We'd chalk it off to being a miracle. But we'll see Malcolm X. We'll see Dr. King. We'll see Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad. We won't call that a miracle, what they was able to accomplish during the time that they were in, considering the state and the condition of our people. We wouldn't consider that a miracle. No, we need to believe that a damn 12, 13-year-old woman who had a man that was way too old for her, he believed that God actually impregnated her. He's stupid too. Joseph is an asshole. But you see, oh man, you, you got to respect people's religions. Then the religion should respect my intelligence. You want me to respect your religion? That religion should respect my intelligence. Because you got an overage man here who, ex who exercised no jealousy, or no concern that his underage girl, friend, or wife, because Joseph is a pedophile too. You feel me? Joseph is a pedophile. Or he's off the hook because the Holy Spirit beat it before he got a chance to beat it. But he's still a damn pedophile because he shouldn't have been with Mary in the first place. So no one's concerned with Mary's age. Religious people sweep that under the rug. No, because God impregnated God is a pedophile why would God make a 12, 13-year-old pregnant? That's how she was. Wow. Why? All you got to do is ask religious people. How old was Mary 
That shit go under the... I don't know. You know what? That doesn't matter. Yo, it does matter. Because if your 12, 13-year-old was pregnant... No, it was God. I'm telling you. Nobody believes in that fucking miracle in 2017. Ask a Christian here if they walk in their house and their little 12, 13-year-old daughter says, the Holy Spirit endowed me, came in onto me. And now I'm fulfilled. Man, if it's a black family, that girl getting her shit cracked. Now, I, I, we just got to see it happen. I like to see it in works. I like to see your underage daughter. I like to see you get, let your underage daughter tell you that the Lord came in onto her. It was no mere physical man that came in onto her for her to start conceiving. Let me see how many of you Christians will believe some shit like that. But you Christians is going to give God the pass. For impregnating a 12, 13 year old girl. Because some say 12, some say 13. But whether she was 14 or 15, she still was too damn young. Because you think she's too young now. But you give God the pass. So shouldn't we follow the example? Oh, no, 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 no. Only her. She can get the right to have sex at 13. Oh, she. But you see, she didn't have sex. God just planted a seed and made. Look, stop this bull crap. Stop it. This is for children. So that's why I'm saying to be religious, you have to be childish. And you know. This gets people mad. And you know what people do? People are like, yo, I'm going to kill you when I see you. You know why? Because your God don't exist. Because God would kill me. God would kill me. I, God should be pissed off with me right now. So why you got to kick my ass? Because you know God won't. Because he don't exist, do you? You feel me? When, when, when I need bread, you know what I do? I call my people for help. I look for jobs. I look for opportunities. I create within myself. You ain't going to call on God. For the exact dollar amount you need. And fear that God won't respond. When you need $630. When, when you need to pay your bills. You know who your God is? The white man. Because you fill out his job application. Why don't you just sit on your ass. As a, as a God fearing citizen. <laughs> you want to be in his kingdom. Or you, you worship him every Sunday. You read Psalms every time you're on the train. You're a good Christian. What the hell you doing working a job? Just ask God for the money. But you never ask him for an exact amount because you don't want to realize you're not going to get the exact amount and then say, yo, what the fuck is up? You make excuses for God. But when you need help, you call on people. When you need real help, you call on people. You wake up in the mornings, thank God he woke me up. You need money to pay your bills, you go to real people and you work. <laughs> people full of shit, man. They, this shit is very convenient where they put God in place. <coughs> You know, people do wrong by you, niggas make you sick. Things go good by you, nigga can't get no credit. It's God. So only niggas can make you sick. And God do you right. You ain't got nothing in your heart to say, let me give my brothers and sisters credit for the things that they do for me. You don't got it in your heart. You're a pacifist when it comes to giving black people their credit, their love, and their support. We grind together. We went through oppression together. We build our communities together. We destroy our communities together. We are the masters of our own destiny. But still you want to accredit everything good to this make-believe, fictional character that if he was real, he would struck me dead today. I'd be one of the first people on God's hit list. Because if I saw God in person, I'd smack him in his fucking face for lying to our people so long. Is it? Be, let me show you something for you. Let me show you something. Tell me why I should believe in a God who existed during the time we were being castrated. Tell me why I should believe in a God during a time where he was tying our women's legs to two different horses in two different directions for the fetus to fall out. 
Tell me why I should pray to a God that existed or Allah that existed during the time. We was in a trans-Sub-Saharan slave trade that took place for 1,200 years of us being in a state of involuntary servitude where they made us walk through the damn desert to go to the next people that they was going to enslave us in. Enslave us to. Why should I believe in the Allah during this trans-Sub-Saharan slave trade where they made us by the millions into eunuchs, men that were alive without their balls, without their penises, actually double castrated us. That's called a double castration. When they took our penis and our balls from us and kept us alive. They mastered how to keep us alive without a penis and balls. It's called a double castration. They did the shit to us for 1,200 years. That's why you see all those mulatto-looking people in Africa. Because they was having sex with all the women and made sure we couldn't have sex with them. So you see all these Arabs with Nubian or Negroid features. They got curly hair or they got broad noses. And they got this complexion that's not quite white, not quite black. You see them, you don't really call them black. You see them, you don't really call them white. But they got everybody fucking featured somehow. How's that happening? But Allah was around during that time. So you got to explain to me why Allah would let that happen to us for 1,200 years. What did I do wrong? Then why would God pick it up in America? Yo, Allah, you, you had 1,200-year uh, run, my nigga. Give it to God of Christianity. He picks it up for 400 years. We think we come out of that, Dr. King get assassinated. Oh, he was a boule. He was part of boule society. Malcolm X get assassinated. He shouldn't have turned on Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Marcus Garvey get deported. Well, you know, I mean, he was Catholic, though. But look at this. Dr. King was Christian. Marcus Garvey was Catholic. And Most, and, and most Honorable Elijah Muhammad is Muslim, who they locked up. Malcolm X is Muslim, who they assassinated. So we see the fate. Of the Muslim black, the Catholic black, and the Christian black. And they all suffer the same fate under the hands of this fucking white man. They all suffer the same fate. They all had a, a choice in different gods. And they all got their ass kicked. What did it tell us? That the men were brilliant and the gods are false. That's what it tells me. I give the men the credit. The men get the credit. The god is false. Unless someone could explain to me. Why 1,600 plus years? I'm talking 1,200 trans-Sub-Saharan slave trade, 400 plus in America, 1,600 plus years total, almost two millenniums. I need to know why on God's watch. Unless you give me a new God that's created today that wasn't alive during them 1,600 years, I can't fucking believe in God. I can't believe in no book that you've been worshiping or no God from no narrative that you've been dealing with this whole time, if he existed during the time where he's been castrated, double castrated, raped, robbed, and pillaged. I got every right to say, I don't believe in that shit. And I got every right to look at everyone that does believe in it like they're fucking nuts. And you got low self-esteem. To believe in God is to have low self-esteem. To be introduced to a weapon called God during your lowest time is to say the best thing that's happened to you was slavery because you got God. If God gets introduced to you only on account to you being oppressed, then God is a weapon used against you, not for you. And now you got to explain to me how come all the other races is having a good time on planet Earth. What did they do? Oh, no, the Lord is going to get them soon. You see, that's what you don't understand. Nigga, it's been 1,600 years. Enough with the bullshit. Jesus ain't come the whole 1,600 years. We've been getting fried. 
He ain't come. And now 200 million people got to help Christ. That means the white man is very powerful. Why he can't just wipe him out with a finger? I mean, he got a 13-year-old pregnant out of the fucking sky. But now we need 200 million soldiers to come out the sky. But this man had the power to make the sun, moon, and the stars at the twick of his finger. He made the heavens and the earth. He separated light from day. He made good from bad. So if he made good from bad, then God is responsible for all the evil. Then it'll make sense. The people don't like homosexuals. I say, okay, that's your right to not like homosexuals. Oh, is homosexuality evil? They say yes. Did God create good and did God create evil? Yes. So God created homosexuality? They say no. Man created homosexuality. Can man create something God didn't create? No, he can't. Only God can create that which is created. Man can only try to create from what God created. So man only makes. Dope. So God created homosexuality. Why he did that if he don't like it? Man created homosexuality. Can man create something that God didn't create? No, he cannot. Okay, did God create good and did God create evil? Yes, he did. Is homosexuality evil? Yes, it is, says the religious man. So God created homosexuality. No, he didn't. Man did. See, this is the childish shit I'm talking about. And I've had this conversation, and many of you know I had this conversation with every religious person over and over and over, and they all say the same thing. God creates good from evil, and then when I ask them about certain evil, so God created fluoride to create the calcium phosphate crystallization of our penal gland. Huh? Nigga, did God create poison to destroy black people? No, he gave us the will to use the poison. Did he create the poison so we can use the will to use the poison? I see what you're trying to do, polite. But you're not going to trick me into saying what? The truth? He created the evil. If I created an Adam and an Eve and no one knew who Adam and Eve was. No one knows who Adam and Eve is. Nobody knows who Adam and Eve is. Adam and Eve were just born. Then they make children. They have Cain and Abel. And Cain kills Abel. Then Cain goes into the garden. Genesis chapter 4 verse 14. He, he's being expelled from the enclosed garden. He's afraid. He says, because these people are going to kill me out there in the land of Nod. Hold on. I thought it was only Adam and Eve. Cain and Abel. Why is Cain afraid someone's going to kill him outside the garden? Who the hell are those people? Or are they older than Adam and Eve? Then two verses down from Genesis 4, 14, he goes from not only being afraid that the people in the land of Nod is going to kill him. And Genesis 4, 16, now he gets him a wife. Just two verses down. Now, where the hell his wife come from? And who are these people that he was afraid was going to kill him when he got kicked out of the garden when they were supposed to be the only people on planet Earth? So there was people that existed older than Adam and Eve. But then Adam might be a tribe because if you go to Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, it said, And the Lord God made man in his image and after his likeness. But you go to Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, it says, Let us blow our breath into man. And oh, God blew his breath into man and man became a living soul. And then you go to where? You go to Genesis chapter 5 verse 2. And what happens there? Male, female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam. So now Adam is plural. Male and female created he them. That means them all in biblical jargon. So male and female created them all and blessed them and called their name Adam. So now what are we talking about? How many different times was man created? So, who, so Adam's a tribe now? It's a group of people? Because now, now we 
actually referring to Adam as a them or there or, th or them all. See, this is what I'm talking about. People don't even read to say, man, when is this bullshit going to stop? And trying to make sense out of it can actually drive you crazy too. So I always make sure I'm telling myself I'm reading a children's book. A very advanced children's book. That's how I keep myself sane. Because you start asking questions as though these things are true. You're going to want to crisscrossing your stuff and someone's but, but you can't just read one verse at a time brother polite you have to re you never read the whole bible none of you religious people read the whole bible so cut the crap out you didn't even read everything you read your same little psalms every damn time you're on the train and you know it when you're going to work because it make you feel good and you let your pastor read the same 20 pages out of a thousand page book every year easter the same passage christmas the same passage Passover, the same passage. Every year, you sit there in awe at the same story. You sit around at the campfire and you listen to this shit all the time. And you let your children paint Easter eggs. But when the hell did a bunny paint eggs? When the hell did a bunny make eggs? When do bunnies lay eggs? But you teach a child about Santa Claus. But there's no chimneys in the projects. So how the hell could your children believe in a Santa Claus... If the building they live in don't even have a damn chimney. It don't even match the narrative. The people say, man, you're just taking the fun out of the holiday spirit. But you know where Christmas come from? That's where they get the idea of the purge. It's called Saturnalia. It's the day that they celebrate when it appears Saturn is oppressing the sun. On December 25th. Where it appears the sun dies on the cross for three days. Like Jonah in the well for three days. Because the crux constellation meaning cross is on December 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Or pardon me, on December 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, the sun appears to die on the cross. From the beginning of December, the sun appears to be going downward. Descending. Dying. And on December 22nd, 23rd, 24th, in its descension, it, it then comes to a complete stop or appears to stop on the cross. The sun appears to die on the cross. And on December 5th, 25th, it appears to resurrect one degree. Or be reborn on the 25th, like a birthday. And this is to bring in the winter solstice. The day where the be the longest night and the shortest day. This is celebrated by ancient societies. And you know what they do? They go out butt-ass naked. They can have sex with children and commit whatever crime they want on that day, December 25th. That's the purge. Christmas and the purge have the same origin. It's called Saturnalia. Everything I just say, I give you enough words and everything you, you cross-reference and say, oh shit, the fuck is this? Somehow you niggas allow the Germans to throw a tree in your house. You feel me? Then you took on uh, Saint Nick from the Turkish people, Saint. You got nothing to, so you got Germans, you got Vikings, you got all sorts of people. Somehow you just start adding extra shit to this whole crazy ass situation. And they swept all the pedophilia and they kill whoever you want under the rug. And all they was doing was celebrating the longest night and the shortest day of the year. This is what we're dealing with, family. But after you give people the facts that's religious, you know what they do? You can't just read one verse in the Bible. This is what they say after all that information. After all that information. Like you go in there and you look in the Bible and you see in the New Testament where they talk about the Virgin Mary or Emmanuel. You read Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 and they talk about this virgin. And you look up the word virgin in Greek like Virgo and you realize that virgin means what? 
female. So the Virgin Mary, if translated based on the lexicon, the Greek lexicon of the New Testament, the word they're using for virgin means female, not one who never had sex. So the Virgin Mary, when you do the translation, is the female Mary. It has nothing to do with sex. You know what a religious person does? You're going to hell. That's what they say. But I'm like, do you, do you even take the time out to see? What if I'm telling the truth? What if the word they're using for virgin, in English, we're misinterpreting as one who didn't have sex, when in fact the word that it comes from is being mistranslated, misrepresented, because the word that they're using for virgin in the Greek lexicon means female. So when you see virgin Mary, you mean female Mary has no intimation that this person in this story never had sex. What does that do for their immaculate conception? It makes it an immaculate deception. It makes it... So hold on. So the whole world is talking about a Jesus that was born without a, the aid of, of copulation in its conventional form, without actual physical sex. So then what does it do? It makes us cross-examine that 13-year-old Mary. Okay, we see it's a mistranslation, girl. Who the hell did you sleep with? Because it wasn't Joseph, runner-up for pedophile of the year. Who was it that really slept with you, Mary? Because we just found out that the word virgin doesn't have nothing to do with sex. It only alludes to female and gender. So who did you physically have sex with now that we know that you're not really a virgin? Are you, Mary? So Mary starts crying. And she says, Tyrone came home from prison and I had sex with him at a young age. Joseph cries. And Joseph, we're going to lock your ass up too. Because you was too old for Mary. You was bound to have sex with her too. You sick. Just as sick, Joseph. See? But then you wonder why the pastors find themselves in a space where they support pedophilia. Because subconsciously, they're saying to themselves, come on, Mary had a baby at that age. Then they think, I'm, I'm a man of God. And then they say, God impregnated her inadvertently. They start crossing wires. They start thinking it's spiritual for them to have sex with these little girls. It's all subconscious. All subconscious. Powerful, powerful shit right there, man. That was a lot of information right there. So, yo, I just want to veer off that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that was deep right there. Like, everybody going to have to listen to that. I mean, and, and digest that a little bit more. But um, If the information makes you mad, it's probably a good step. Yeah, but if it makes you go and do further research, that's the best step. And if it makes you come back and say, man, I'm still going to do this religion anyway, then that means you are under a spell. You're under a ghost spell, a gospel. That's what you under. We got to get you out of the gospel, the ghost spell. Get out of there. It serves you nothing. You're brilliant with or without it. We've seen plenty of brilliant people be brilliant without it. Take the discipline. If you love the fasting, knock yourself out. You know, but if, if the church is going to follow Paul's words, it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you, it's what comes out of it. Then this is why our family is suffering for so much high blood pressure. Shouldn't you get mad at God that he hasn't changed the diet of the Christian? You're losing your grandmothers to God's house because they're allowed to eat swine. They don't care what goes in their mouth. They say it's what comes out their mouth that defiles them. So long as they're not going around cursing people out, they alkaline. That don't make no damn sense. You should be mad at God that he hasn't created a more strict dietary regimen so you don't lose 
your grandparents and your parents at premature ages because he got all these rules and regulations for you to not question him. But he didn't put enough there for you to make sure you got the right diet plan. So when your parents get cancer and your parents get diabetes and you send them to the doctor instead of pray to God that they no longer have cancer, pray to God that they no longer have AIDS, do you know religious people don't pray to God to stop cancer and stop AIDS? Because they know God is not going to deliver. They believe in the doctor. Do you know that? Do you know they're in there praying to God, but they don't pray to God to stop police brutality? Do you know the pastor's in there laying their hands on people? Healing them, as they say. He's doing this, a wave, and everyone's falling. They get hit by the wave. He does this, and they all do this. Woo! He does the wave, and they all go back. Whoa! Matrix. <laughs> So why can't the pastor come in the hood when the police back out their guns and do this and do that matrix shit he be doing in the church when he does this and everybody just goes, Whoa. why he can't do that to the white man when he pulls his gun out? Why he can't make the white man gun just fall out of his hands and do the, why he can't lay the hands on the cop when they come into the black community? We should all be, oh, hold on. I'm calling my pastor, white man. You better run because when he come, he gonna lay the hands on you, white man. We know better than to do that dumb shit. The white man will shoot your pastor in his fucking head if he try to lay his hands on him. But you can go to church, though. And you can let that guy play games with you. Knowing your back hurt, he put some shit in your head that when he put his hands on your forehead, your back no longer hurt. Now you Harlem shaking, knowing your ass going to be paralyzed. You keep fucking around with that Harlem shake, knowing that you got spinal problems. But you do it. You do it. <laughs> no doubt. Yo, so nice. Like you were just talking about cancer and diabetes. That's a big thing that I that you be talking about, as far as you know, um, in our communities, a lot of people got fucked up diets, man. Niggas eating terrible, man. Potato chips, chopped cheese, steak and cheese. Facts. Chicken spot, twenty four hours. <laughs> Fifty seven thousand. Dairy products. <laughs> dairy products. All type of stuff. So, what can we do to? I mean, uh, um help our men and women change their diet. Does that have any part to play in our relationships with one another? Of course. The way you eat is the way you connect with your own people. It's the way you connect with yourself. The way you eat determines how angry you are. If what you eat violently has to be broken down in the body, then you will be a more anxious brother or sister. You will be less patient. You will exercise less patience with yourself, and in turn, you will exercise less patience with other people. So, if cancer could talk and walk, and it does, we would see a lot of contention in our community, and we do. Because what we see in our community is the workings of disease using our body as a host to communicate with the rest of the world. So you say, damn, sometimes this person is just on. They're a very positive person, and other times, man, this person is just negative. Well, the reason why is because there's a fight for their body. There's a fight for the real you versus the parasites trying to take over you. That's what parasites is about. That's what AIDS does. That's what HIV does. It comes into the body, sets up its own DNA, and starts replicating its own cells. It overthrows the program and says this is the new program. It actually creates its own cells. It creates its own you within you. 
And then the cells are having a hard time distinguishing who is from who. And that's what cancer is about. When the body is like, I don't know which cells to bang on, the body creates T cells. And now you got a civil war in your body. You got cells banging on cells. And sometimes it's casualties of war because the cells are killing people that's on this team because they don't know how to make a distinction because there's agents in your body that learn how to go undetected and look like your friend. And your friend winds up killing you. So then you start killing who you think is the enemy and everybody got their guns turned on each other. So then these phagocytes start coming, large white blood cells, and these T cells start coming. T cells air everyone the fuck out. They don't give a fuck who's good or bad. If you're not on their side of the army, Everyone in front of them is getting shot. That's all they know how to do. We know some of you are good, some of you bad. Well, damn it, we got to kill you all. And that is the cancer of the community. You feel me? They don't care if they're killing good. They don't care if they're killing bad. They just got to kill something. That's what they're designed to do. We're we murdering something because we got to stop this shit. That's the confusion that's caused on a biological level when you're dealing with disease. The body can't distinguish itself from the agent. So it's wind up, it winds up killing itself. That's the problem, man. So you look at our people and they behave the same way because it's only a reflection of the disease that's taking them or using them as a host. So we got our own people killing themselves like they can't even make a distinction that these are the people I'm supposed to love or be obliged to communicate with, connect with, and love. But it's a manifestation of the disease. And if you're not dealing with manifestation, you're dealing with man infestation. So we actually dealing with man infestation because disease kills our creativity. So if you're not dealing with man infestation, if you're not dealing with manifesting, or manifestation, you're dealing with manifestation. This brings us back to the rapist. Because this is the psychology of the world-renowned criminal. And I say the rapist, I mean the rapist. I mean the rapist. I mean therapist. 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 The rapist is the same fucking word. The rapist is the therapist. That's what we're dealing with right now. He's the one that's mind-fucking us the whole time. The rapist is therapist. And he's tricked us into thinking in ways we're not supposed to be thinking. And when we should be ashamed, we're not ashamed. And when we are ashamed, we shouldn't be ashamed. This is what the rapist or the therapist does. Now, who would give us somebody whose name says the rapist? Pronounce it therapist and not even say, I think we should just come up with a different name. Because this is a little tricky. I mean, people after all might think we up to something. But subconsciously, your mind breaks up the word and knows it sees the rapist there. Why he puts a little spin on it. Says, you don't see the rapist. You see therapists. And now you're talking to the therapist. And he's playing these games with your mind. And you don't know which ones is real and which one is not. But the game is to mind fuck you. To make you conceive, which is to give birth, thoughts that you wouldn't have under normal circumstances, conditions. And the rapist will have you say things that you love and say it like you hate it. The rapist will have you say I love pussy in one instance, and then when you're mad at somebody, say that you're pussy. The rapist will say, you know, he'll have you saying, you know what, I love to get my dicks up. And then when you're mad at someone, say, suck my dick. You associate it with something negative. The rapist will have you say, asshole, suck my dick, pussy, dickhead, fuck you. The rapist actually has you saying things like you're mad at sex. Like you're mad at the vagina. Like you don't like the vagina. Because if you love the vagina, why associate the vagina to someone who makes you angry? 
in time, you're going to have less respect for the vagina because you associate the vagina to people that get you angry. And in time, if you wind up associating negativity to the vagina, you'll wind up being negative to the people who own the vagina. So we'll wind up lacking respect for the women. The rapist is the therapist. The rapist is the therapist. This is all psychology, man. He has us saying some shit. We like against and for things at the same time. It's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Most of the time when I'm interviewing somebody, I'm sitting there talking to somebody. It's like I'm bouncing right off of it. It's like you be sitting here just having somebody at the end of the whole damn conversation thinking about what you just said. It's crazy. All right, so what's the women, man, in our community? One thing I know about you, man, from just you know, knowing you and just watching all your, um, you know, a lot of your videos and lectures and debates is that, you know, you highly revered a woman. You know what I mean? You very, you highly revered that attribute of you know, earthly, scientifically, genetically, and every other way possible I can think of. And that's helped me get a better understanding, too, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A lot of things. And a lot of things I was partaking in. And, you know, this, this kind of, this culture that we live in, it's like a hip-hop culture. It's like, no matter what, how we like to sugarcoat it, it's a lot of things that's going on in it that's not really geared towards the positivity of the mm-hmm. woman's image, especially in our community, you know what I'm saying? And something you've always brought to my attention is if you look at the history of the black woman and everywhere she's been at, that's really been the backbone of really why we even here right that's now. That's a fact, Without that's a fact. Not for nothing. Not to say that all the men wasn't strong, but a lot of men was being marginalized in a way where they was, you know, not allowed or they was being, um, you know, killed or scared or... Be- it was a lot of ways where the men wasn't able to be men in that's that a fact. aspect. You know what that's right. Yeah. So the women, they had to bear that cross. You know what I mean? And it's like the one thing that I that made me really respect women more is just to think the fact that shit. Even in a time when the men was getting disrespected at the lowest points by every other race, the women still stood by us. They still found something in us to still respect and love, and still find something within them to still want to procreate with us. You know what I'm saying? No matter who else force themselves upon them or whatever the case may be so I just want you to kind of give a little bit you know insight on you know the women aspect and you know why why you feel so strongly about the women and, and even how even in religions how they used to, I to learn from you that they even most of them are secretly worshiping women they definitely secretly worship women even if you look at the word that they use for almighty in the bible and almighty is Shaddai or also known as the force El Shaddai El being power so Shaddai being force or powerful force but we look at Shaddai and we see how the letters are built and we have to understand that there's an ideographic and pictographic meaning of words when you're dealing with proto-semitic languages so when we look at Shaddai we look at Sheen Dalif and Yad and Sheen represents teeth it looks just like this it's supposed to represent teeth and Dalif represents knob or nipple and then you have Yad which represents hand so when do we see teeth Nipple in the hand when breastfeeding is taking place. And what takes place with breast milk? You get something that is designed specifically for you and for no one else. You get something from the person that created you that you can't get from nowhere else. So we look at the word should die and we say, man, it only takes on a long I sound because the dollar and the yard are next to each other. So it creates a long I sound, the D and the Y. So you got sheen being teeth and dollar being knob or nipple and yard being hand. So we see teeth, nipple, and hand. 
sounds like breastfeeding. We understand in breastfeeding, you get colostrum fluid, which is a yellow liquidy fluid, especially in the first three months, that is designed specifically to cater to your interests and needs based on whatever may be the weakest in contrast to what's your strongest. So if your immunity needs to be built up more, that fluid is designed to raise your immunity, raise your digestive tract, raise your IQ, where it is necessary, where the body seems fit or when it suffice. Also, if your mother's 33 years old when she gives birth to you, she's giving the child a 33-year-old immune system. If the mother is 25 years old and she's breastfeeding, that mother is giving that child a 25-year-old immune system. Everything that that mother or woman has been subject to for a whole life, she's uploading data through breastfeeding or downloading data through breastfeeding into the DNAs that would be uploaded to the child's consciousness. So she's downloading data and the data is being uploaded to the consciousness of the child so they can have a rendering of all the things that your mother has went through, all the diseases she was subject to. And that's why they find out there's, there's children whose parents had AIDS and they come into this world without it because the rendering has taken place. So the child is like, yo, you're just coming into this world. Their immunity is a whole lot more sophisticated because ours had to get broken down over years. Theirs is actually on the rise from the time they're born. So now we look at it and we say, okay, sheen dollar yard, teeth, nipple, hand. The breast obviously gives us something that caters to our specific interests and needs that nobody else can give us, no other milk can give us, only our mother can give us something, our creator. So we look at Shaddai and we say, what else is in the proto-Semitic language that sounds like Shaddai or comes from the same root? Shedayin, it's the same root from Shed. Shedayin is what? Breast, in plural. So Shed is breast and Shedayin is breast. So the name that they use to identify God means breast. I would believe we're talking about a female. And if we look at the ideographic and pictographic meaning, we get teeth, nipple, and hand. So it would make sense that the word for breast is the word for breast is shed, one breast, shediyin, plural breast, and for God, shedah, from the same root word, in which the ideographic and pictographic meanings or depictions of those particular characters that make up the composition of the word shows us teeth, nipple. In hand, and then they go on to build dome structures with a nipple on top because they're venerating the woman. So we see they're actually embracing the woman in culture, and then we even know that uh, RHM, when we go, we understand that when we seek refuge in Allah's yielding ability and mercy, and mercy from that thing of clay Satan. We realize when we're going through this recitation that the word that they're using for mercy is synonymous with the word womb. <clears throat> but they choose to translate it mercy. But if you talk to any Arab, if you talk to any Arab and you ask them, the word that they're using for mercy in Arabic, does it mean womb? And they will honestly tell you, yes, it means womb, but we get our mercy from Allah when we come through the womb. Does the word mean womb or does it mean mercy? Or do you rather say mercy even though you know it means womb? That's when we're going to get into the trick. The word means womb, the trilateral root, the three-part verb. The trilateral root is R-H-M. It means womb. They translated it to mercy because if you did, Allah would have a womb. So they have to say Allah's mercy, not Allah's womb. So here we go again. But where did they get that from? Well, we go into the Igbo culture that pre-exists Islam. 
we're going to see a deity, a creator deity, called Allah, A-L-A-H, who's a female. That's a womb deity. What are the odds? Okay? So, I mean, I don't make these things up. So you got Ebo, right? You got Yoruba, and you got Hausa. And Yoruba will correspond with Hebrew, and Ebo will correspond with Islam, and Hausa will correspond with Christianity. And those three African contexts to religion pre-exist those monotheistic religions. But, you know, religious people don't want to take time to study, nor do they want to at least research that which is being presented to them to see if it's true. So you got Igbo, Hasa, and Yoruba. And, that, and from there, Igbo corresponds with Hebrew, or Hebrew corresponds with Igbo, I should say. And Hasa corresponds with Christianity. You feel me? And then you have uh, uh, Islam that corresponds with Yoruba. And this is, this is, and this is where they graph their ideas from. So when you start seeing Allah from where Islam gets its data from, you'll see Allah, the female deity that is the womb deity and creator deity. Then you look at Allah and their recitation where they ask for mercy from Allah and you realize, oh wow, the word that they translate for mercy actually is womb from the deity that they worship Allah. And you say, now what's the odds that polite could be wrong that he's saying Allah has a womb we can clearly see the connection between a womb and a law. And then we go over here in Africa and we realize they have a deity called the law that's a female that is the deity of wombs and creation. <laughs> it's not a stretch. This is just what they do. You know what I'm saying? And they turn the women into men and make us worship them. But in the ancient African archetype of conception, the women worship the men and the men worship the women. The men did not worship the men. And the women worship the men. We were not taught to have such strong embrace for the same gender. So you hear women saying, you know, oh, Jesus woke me up today. They're like, yo, Ma, can I talk to you? Oh, no, Jesus is all I need in my life. Ooh, oh, Lord. Then guess what it does to the men? They start homosexualizing. Yeah, Jesus woke me up today, too. He all the power I got. He woke me up. When a man wakes up, he's erect. When the sun goes up, he goes up. What are we talking about here? It's just crazy. You feel what I'm saying? When a man is young and he wakes up, he normally wakes up. When he's going through puberty, he wakes up because he's up in several other places. He's up in other places. He's waking up. What the hell is attached to me? That's not Jesus waking you up, I hope. We was designed not to worship men, man. That's how we was not designed to worship men. We got to get out of that freak behavior. So the religions is actually homosexualizing men. Because the power that men had to be providers and be protectors has been supplanted for this fictional being called Jesus that they've been told to also put themselves under. Because the head of Christ is God and the head of man is Christ and the head of woman is man. But if the man is supposed to be the head of woman and he too is over here under Christ, then we have confusion. We have confusion. And I know people want to break down a little religious rhetoric, but at the end of the day, we came from an ancient African archetype of conception that derives from the idea that, hey, the men worship women and the women worship men. We worshiped the other part to become whole. That's what we did. The confusion comes in where the man doesn't have it in himself to worship the woman. So you see, the woman is very humble to a man. She could take abuse. She could take cheating. She could take 
beatings because she's learned to worship man vicariously through the image of Christ. But man has learned to worship man vicariously through the image of Christ as well. So this is causing a lot of confusion. So he doesn't know how to humble himself to his woman. Because he doesn't appreciate her in the magnitude that she has been taught to appreciate him. So it's imbalanced. So we look at the Ankh, the, the original cross, and we see that the circle represents the womb, the long part represents the penis, and the part that goes horizontally across represents the children. Or, in other instances, they show how it represents the ovaries. But I, I think that's an interpolation for people, and it's still dope. We do what we want with our culture. So then the white man comes and he says, we're going to move the womb out the equation and we're just going to put two penises there and make a cross. He moved the womb. The circle in the arc was the womb. He moves that out the way. Oh, let's just keep two crosses here. Let's do that. That's the problem. Because early Christianity in the first and second century knew the arc before it knew the cross. That's a fact. I would know. I went to Egypt to see earlier forms of what they call Christianity from people who don't like being called Christians who represent the Coptic church. I've seen the black woman with a big afro on the Ankh crucified first before we seen a white man put on a cross. There was a black woman with an afro on the Ankh. Seen it, and it pre-exists the cross that we know about today. But what would you do if you realized that it's the black woman that has died for you first before the white man on the cross that you then turned around and made him black when you got conscious? Would you still worship God the way you would if God was a woman and you found out you've been lied to? You got Negroes who are uncomfortable with that. I ain't worshiping no woman. They say it with pride. I ain't worshiping no woman. So you know you're worshiping a man, right? Like, are we comfortable with saying that? I ain't worshiping. I, I think it makes sense. She brings my children into this world. I have to rely on her to eat the right things. She has a great responsibility to bring me through, to bring my child through, to make my child as healthy as he can be. She has a great responsibility. <clears throat> I have to trust that she don't fall down the stairs. And terminate the child. I have to hope she's not too stressed. Because the stress can terminate the child. I have to hope she doesn't eat too much toxics. That can implicate the child. She has a great responsibility for nine months. And then after the child is born. We have to hope that she's not stressed. So she doesn't feed that child stress. Through breastfeeding. From the toxins. And the hormonal imbalance that will occur. On account of her being angry. We have to hope. That this woman isn't eating the wrong thing so the wrong thing doesn't go into the child we have to hope that this woman keeps her health intact so the child's health can be intact as well she has a great responsibility so when i say i worship the woman i have no choice it's not even it's not even one of those things that is up for grabs or is in question i have no choice but to worship this black woman she means so much to me you say god mean a lot to you when you prove that i'll listen and i'll wait Right now, you can only give me speculation about this person you call God. I can tell you all the things about the physical black woman that makes it so incumbent for her, for her to be worshipped. And by worship, we mean to give her a great deal of adoration, esteem, appreciation, and understand her significance and her importance to society at large, not just me immediately. She is extremely important to the future and the present and the past of the black race. Having said that, I worship that black woman. But not for superficial reasons, but for the obvious. Because it's going to take worship to make sure that my child is born into this world. Uncompromised to the best of my ability. It's going to take patience. 
even if I'm angry. I got to learn how to deal with her a certain way, especially when she's giving birth to my child. Because everything counts in the fourth fucking quarter. We got to pull it together if we behind. We're behind this black man in terms of the respect that we should be getting from our significant other. We're behind this black man in terms of the respect we should be getting from our children. So we can keep yelling, cursing, and screaming at her, and hitting her, abusing her, yelling, all of that. Or we can say, you know what, I got to find a different approach. Or I just got to find different type of women. Or I got to be content to just wait until I find the type of woman that I'll be able to communicate with. Because this woman, I can't afford to create a monster. Because she has the power and the capabilities to create monsters. Monsters that look like you. So when she's in contention with you, she's in contention with a child because the child looks like you. And she can say, I don't treat my child bad because I have a problem with the father. How can you not? Your child looks just like him. How can you not have a problem with him when your child has his eyes, his nose, his ears, his lips, and some of his mannerisms and his attitude? And then she hates you. You don't think that hate is going to transmigrate into the child in some form or fashion, at least subconsciously, even if she does her best not to impart that type of biasness on the child? Child look like him. You hate him. You love the child. Every time you look at the child, you're looking at him. Come on. We don't even want to create that kind of opportunity for something like that to happen. We don't want to create that. Powerful, powerful. As far as our women, I want to keep it on them right fast because I ain't going to lie, man. Like, a lot of the men, they listen, but the women really be listening. And the women That's a fact. Really be trying to really change and get their shit together, man. And it's important for me because I got two daughters, you know what I'm saying? So, it's like, I know what it is, man. And like I said, they about to be out here in the world and they need to be known with diets. Like, the other day, my daughter said, I want McDonald's. Yeah, I want what she eat when she with her moms and you know what I mean. They not on that, so it'd be kind of hard for me to like play both roles. Like diet, they over there all the time. Even when they come over here, I'm trying to put them on a strict diet. But you know, just in general, I just want to really stress how important it is for our women to, to change their diets so they can just deal with things in society better because they already got so much stresses they up against. Every time they leave their house, I always say the hardest job in the world. Women, they job starts when they walk out the door in the morning. Women walk out the door in the morning, every man, he holding the door for them. Hey, mama, how you doing? They keep, so when they go to the train, like they, it's always some kind of, they always being a woman, you know what I'm saying? It's always some kind of somebody trying to get in them, somebody with ulterior motive that just want to do this to them, just looking at the body, like, so, you know, just to stay on them, man, what, 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 what kind of, um, what you want to talk to the women and just say to them as far as they die and just keeping their sanity, man, amongst dealing with us brothers in this time, in this time we facing, man. Well, I say for the sisters, the number one responsibility that they have is to educate themselves about their body. Because when they educate themselves about their body, they'll understand how important it is to get with the right brother, to see to it that the brother that they're with is not toxic, to see to it that the brother that they're with, because she takes in his DNA. And that's important. She has to understand she takes in that brother's DNA, so she takes in his mentality. Like, brothers oftentimes say that they getting brain, but they're not getting brain. She's getting brain because your sperm is cerebral spinal fluid. So your sperm is brain material. It's, it's the light that goes up the, the spine, spinal, and from that, taps into the cerebral. The cerebral then creates the fluid that goes from the brain down to the spine, and should you ejaculate, or get off your emission it goes into the chaotic waters or the primordial waters so the sperm is cerebral spinal fluid so if the man 
is having undisciplined sex over and over and over and over, then he's giving away his consciousness, his brain, and he needs time to rejuvenate. So you find sexually crazed men become more baboon, so to speak, in nature, more animalistic in nature because they don't allow themselves to regenerate. Secondly, she takes on the man's DNA. It's called horizontal gene transfer, right? Or there's also vertical evolution and horizontal evolution. So horizontal gene transfer shows us that if DNA from another kind comes into the body, you could be subject to certain changes and conditions. So she's taking in your brain. She's tapping into your consciousness. So she's really getting brain. You're not getting brain. She's taking in your brain fluid. And as your brain diminishes, she's growing an understanding of your consciousness on certain levels that she can even become telepathically aligned with you. Separate from that, she'll start looking like you. Because she'll submit to you in the form of love, which means she has an appreciation for your DNA when it enters her body. And that's why over time, people who've been with each other for years say, y'all look like brother and sister. That don't happen when you first meet. It happens when y'all share fluids over time. And after a while, she starts transforming into you. Her favorite color was red. Your favorite color is blue. Suddenly, her favorite color is blue now. She's starting to see your way. It's all crazy to people. They be like, man, ever since you met him, now you don't like the same color. You don't like the same food. Because she's becoming her partner. And if her partner's toxic, she becomes toxic. And if she's sleeping with too many men, she becomes paranoid schizophrenic. Because now she's taking on so many different semen. She's taking on so many different mentalities that she has several different personalities coming in and out of her at a time. She got two toxic brothers and one conscious man. She in conflict with herself. She in conflict with everybody. This is what's taking place. So one of the most important things for the sisters to understand is that you take on the personality of everybody you exchange fluids with. And you need time to detox from behaviors that are incorporated into your personality when you sleep with people who are not disciplined. So women go around sleep with this one, sleep with that one, sleep with this one, sleep with that one, then that's four people. She has to make accommodations for. And that can be very intense as an individual. I mean, you know, science don't want to address those things, but they tell you in different ways, but they don't want to address those things. And that's where the problem lies. The things that they're not addressing, the rapist, therapist, is not addressing the reality that she becomes who she exchanges, who she exchanges fluids with. That's one of the number one things that she has to uh, take consideration. That if the man is toxic, she's going to be toxic. She got to be careful. Because now that toxic man can be who the new man is in a relationship with. And that's how chaotic that can become. She, the new man can be fighting against the mentality of the previous man that she was with. So much so that that dude that's new feel like he's talking to a dude sometimes. Even compelled to even want to hit her thinking he's fighting a man. Because feel like she bossing up on him and leaning on him a little bit. Like a, more like a man than like a woman. And it gets confusing. Because she's adopting male traits and personalities. From her interactions and copulation and intimacy. With the opposite sex. So it's very important man. That they treat their body as a sacred temple. And understand that. You know once you let somebody into your sacred temple. They are a part of you. And they may always be a, a part of you. At least in a small part. Depending on your detox. But they are always going to be. A part of your evolution. Your change. Your growth and your condition. So it behooves them. 
to screen the people she's having relationships with and ex exercise more reluctancy to exchange fluids or be intimate with people with the understanding that if the man is toxic, she too can become toxic. So you got a condom on you still? Uh, I don't like condoms, you know, uh, because the holes in the condom is 1.7 microns big and the virus is 0.7 microns big, which means the virus has a whole unit to go through the condom, so that's a false. Two, <coughs> the powder in the condom, okay, aside from creating asthma, compromises the integrity of the sperm. So should your child be born, the sperm is adulterated because it's designed to kill the sperm in many respects if it does go through. So what happens if the children do get through from a chemical that was designed to kill it? Now your child is compromised because now it has to be hindered when it does go through those microns. So uh, I think it's more in the matter of using their mind as a condom and saying take the opportunity to relent from sleeping with people simply because you are attracted to them. You know, just to exercise more time and patience. You know, if it's that more, that much more deep, get a test to see if people sick before you sleep. Depending on how meticulous you want to be. You feel me? I mean, there's herbs out here, and I mean, I, I know some some brothers in the hood. It's like, hey, Sabi gave us the cure for AIDS. I'm asleep with a thought tonight, and I'm, I'm going to load up on the Viento tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Drink the seawalls tomorrow after we beat these chicks at the club. So, you know, who gives a damn about AIDS when we got the cure right here? I know some people think like that, but still, you know, exercise extreme caution, man. <laughs> Yeah, right next to the Mali. Like, what the hell are you doing? Speaking, speaking of Dr. Sebi, man, one of the most important others I've ever seen in our generation, as far as my, at least me physically, who I can say I've lived during that time with somebody done something that significant, that's definitely a brother that ain't need no degree from no white man. You know what I'm saying? You know, you had a personal relationship with him, you know what I'm saying? And that's amazing to me, you know what I'm saying? I never got to see him in person. I got, I got to watch you speak with him on a couple of occasions on lectures. And, you know, I study, I study his lectures and YouTube videos. And YouTube been one of the biggest blessings for a brother, man. So that, yeah. that shit, I don't know how I would even know none of this. We wouldn't even be sitting here right now. But I just want to talk about Dr. Sebi. Just give you, um, you know, talk to the people. A lot of people, that's a sad part. I always um say, how the hell you know who Dr. Oz is? You don't know who Dr. Sebi is. Mm -hmm. In our community, that's just really how it is. Like over, and the thing is, people are starting to get get on to you. Yeah. Like people start, I see people post your stuff more. And like people who I don't expect to do it, you know what I mean? Or and I'm like, wow, that's what's up. But it's like you know, times time is ticking, and it's like just to show you how Dr. Sebi, man, like he's gone, but he was here for so long. People could have been listening to him and getting hip to what's going on with him and you know, finding out what's going on. Ever since, even far back as when left, I was dealing with him. You know what I mean? It's like, they do as much as they could do in the media to suppress information like that from us and tell you that he's somebody who's nobody and he don't have no right. credentials. And you know, a lot of black people, man, we watch the news and read the newspaper like a motherfucker. Man. That's what he's, when I was when I was a kid, you can't watch no TV unless it's the news. Like, there's some current events but the news. Like, yeah, 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 you know I know that. And, we be spooked by that shit. That's what it's for. You know what I'm saying? It spook us for it. But I just wanted to say, like, um, anything you could say about that? 
Well, I'll tell you this, man. When it comes to Dr. Savy, just in general, people missed out on a great opportunity to just experience him in real life, you know? Uh, and it's sad because it's going to sound like a myth when we talk about him, you know, to our children. Because I can imagine they're going to turn up on the ignorance because they're already talking about, oh, we might have a cure for AIDS now. From like the, the third day that he passed, these Caucasians like, yo, we might have the cure for AIDS. You feel me? That's crazy. So the, on day three mm-hmm. of his passing, so you know what they do with the legacy. Yeah. And I'm sure it's going to be some kind of compromise. Nonetheless, when we look at Dr. Savey, we just got to say, man, we, we, if you was looking for the closest thing that reflects Christ, it would have to been him. Because he's going around healing people. Healing the blind. You feel what I'm saying? Like, this man is healing the blind. This man got a decayed breast from a woman who was suffering from cancer and helped her rejuvenate it. A man who, when another man had locked jaw and he couldn't find a way to put the herbs in his mouth, he put the solution on a cloth, figuring that the skin is porous. And he put the solution on the man's head, wet, so he could go through his pores, his jaw dropped. So he can then give him the herbs. Like, yo, this man is, he's somewhere else, bro. Like, yo, he's somewhere else. You feel me? And those are not made up stories. You know what I'm saying? I got healed from Dr. Savior. Facts. Going through some shit. You know that. I was like, and this this is after I learned all the Savy stuff from you. I went through some stuff. I'm like. Man, the only thing I know, I learned from polite. Not to say, but <laughs> yeah. California office. Let's get it. <laughs> like I said, man, it's like it's a, it's it's amazing to me because yeah. somebody like myself, that's what made me start. Like my man Lawrence, he, he he, that's like one of my real friends that I, I would say besides him and maybe two other brothers that I build with. Like we sit here, and that's like my brother. We go to war. We we'll be talking about this shit and arguing. It'll sound like arguing. We really just trying to. I'm, I'm wondering what, what can I eat or what should I do to help my tr- transition because I really want to be here. I don't want to be out here dying. Take or, that sea moss. That sea moss. At least. Then, but then it's like, I see sea moss, but if I'm, what do I need to eat besides that? Because it's well, that's, well, that's the thing. Sea moss is actually everything you really need to eat for the most part. It's, and the reason why I suggest sea moss to people so much is because, uh, particularly the one we make or the one that Sabi got, because that has 95 over 108 minerals that you get. You know, ironbrotherpolite.com. Um, you want that because when you're living in these concrete jungles and stuff is not accessible, sea moss will help diminish appetite, but it'll help you maintain your weight. So you don't have to drop down, but you don't have to... Uh, you won't feel like you're forcing yourself to eat less, and nor will eating less, which you will do, cause you to wind up losing weight dramatically. You feel what I'm saying? So sea moss is your lifeline because it's going to create a diminishing of appetite so you won't be constantly craving. And it'll buy you time. Oh, man, sea moss, is, it grows in the, in the ocean, man. You feel what I'm saying? 
and uh, you got the seaweed mixed with the sea moss, I should say, that grows in the ocean, uh, which is the bladder racks that we mix up with it. And the bladder racks coupled with the sea moss gives the body, the body is looking for 108 minerals. The sea moss gives you 95 out of 108. And what happens is the meat eater is only getting 50 to 60 uh, minerals. You feel me? The meat eater is only getting 50 to 60 minerals. The vegetarian is only getting 60 to 70. And then the vegan is getting about 70, 75. And then the sea moss is giving you 95 over 108. So it's giving you almost everything you ever needed from any meal. You're never really getting as much as you need from any meal. If you take vitamins, the whole jar, you're lucky if you get at least 10% of what you expected to get out of the whole jar. So a vitamin won't cut it. You got to take the whole jar to get 10% of what you want from one pill. That's, that's what you're taking the whole jar for. Because vitamins are alive. They're organisms. Those pills aren't. I heard you break that word down before. What does vitamin mean? Like- uh, uh, sustain. Right, or sustenance from the sun. Yep. No doubt. A vita, a vita, like vitality, or vital sustenance from the sun. And then you have amen, because amen is the sun, or the sun, nature, and chemit. So you got vitamin, you got sustenance that you get from the sun. Being able to survive or live from the sun. So at around 9 o'clock to 10.30, when you get sun exposure, you get the vitamin, cobalamin. I'm in again. Cobalamin is B12. So they give you the alphanumeric to throw you off so you don't know it's an organism. But B12 is the vitamin organism that is cobalamin that around 9 a.m. to 10.30 is produced in the small intestine, which detoxifies the melanocytes or melanocytes. Your melanin, it gives your melanin a detox. The neuromelanin and the neuromelanin. So that means the skin melanin and the brain and central nervous system melanin. That's the goal. So vitamins you get from different hours during the sun spectrum. So different vitamins are produced during different hours out the day. And these vitamins are actually organisms that's alive. So when you take them as pills, it's not going to work out. So you got Vita, Amin. Amin being the sun, as in ancient Kemet, they say Amin. And then you got vita, like vital, vitality, or sustenance. So you get your sustenance from the sun. So as long as you get sun exposure, you're getting vitamins. We got to get you to start focusing on minerals. So when you eat regular shit, like say if I go to the store and get like great turkey, collard greens, yams, yep. then I still eat sea moss. Am I, am I still doing bad? Uh, if you take the sea moss, you've compensated. Compensated? You've compensated for what you didn't get. Because that food that you got, that's going to give you about 50, 55 minerals out of the 108. But then when you look You're almost halfway in debt. Of course, you don't want to eat it. But if you had the sea moss, you would be compensating for the amount of minerals you didn't even get. Because gotcha. what I'm saying is people are eating food, but they're not feeding the cells. So it's just more like an addiction. Right. Just tastes good. You know, you're looking more for the taste. You're not really saying, what am I getting from this combination of food? Because if it was about that, then you'd be like, man, it ain't worth chewing none of this stuff, man. And if you notice your body and you really pay attention to your body, if you consider the weight of your food and you consider the weight of your excrement when you use the bathroom, you will realize that you're probably getting rid of most of everything you just ate. When you use the bathroom you and you eat, 
say you drink a little in between what you're eating and it forces you to pass through, you have to actually say, yo, am I keeping much of anything that I'm eating? Mm-hmm. It seems like most of it is going as it comes in. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? Like, if you don't drink water that's really good for you, you'll drink it and it'll come right out of you. And you have to ask yourself, did I use the water I just drank? You know what I'm saying? Like, this stuff is some real stuff. Is there any sustenance? That's what you need the vitamins for. You know what I'm saying? So, it's tricky. What's the best water? I heard Fiji water is the best water. Uh... It's overrated, <laughs> you know. Hopefully, it's, it actually comes from the Fiji Islands, but because it's marketing involved. But the best water, if you can, it's at the very least, if you needed it affordable and accessible, you could filter your water, and then you can squeeze key lime in it and add Himalayan pink salt, Himalayan red salt, and maybe some activated charcoal or black salt into the equation. A key lime and some cayenne pepper, and That'd make you a, a serious master cleanse, but you want key lime, not lime, not lemon. You want key lime, not regular lime, because key lime have seeds. It's originals, tinier limes, uh, very, very potent. It, it heightens the alkalinity. Even if you got alkaline water, you would want to filter it because it can still have harmful metals in it. It could be alkaline and have harm, harmful metals. So, you know, it gets deep. So I always tell people I had to pick between alkaline water and filter water. I'd take filter water because I could turn it alkaline. You know what I'm saying? Just about being late, not being lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's some good waters out there. I mean, Voss is pretty cool if you get it out of glass. You want to get water out of glass and you want to check the contents to see if the glass has cadmium in it. Because if the glass has cadmium in it, then that's poisonous. So the cadmium from the glass seeps into the water. But you know, if you have, I <laughs> know it never stops. But you just, you just want to, you want to just be careful. Man, the scientist, the herbologist, the geologist, the geologist. As I said, man, I don't know what planet. I'm like, yo, I'm just glad that somebody like yourself, that's a brother, that come from our communities, took the time, man. Because, like I said, I, I know. You got humble beginnings when you was in the streets just like the rest of us. So whatever transpired in your life that took you on another plane, that got you to even say, yo, I care about my people enough that I'm going to bear that sacrifice and go and learn this information and absorb it so you just give it out. That's right. And to really let people, I see you at UCLA, I watch your speech with you. You know what I mean? So like I said, man, I'm just, it's a, that's why it's a pleasure for me to get you right here so I can tell the world how I feel about shit. How I look at everything, I ain't the most smartest conscious person in the world. I got my flaws and mistakes, and I'm learning every day to be a better man. But with brothers like you out here, I'm always looking for that knowledge, and I know that it's possible, man. Because you mingling with them people, and not even though you banging on them. You, it's, like I said, they just be like, oh, he's not supposed to get money. Oh, so he banging on them more than anybody, and he still could go amongst them and do business. He's got more risk than anybody. That's what they don't get. They could be like, yo, you're not fucking with him because of that. Niggas can just whiteball you know me saying? like, I ain't taking no, no pics with you, I ain't going to no. no spots with you. You feel me? It's don't like, associate yo, your name with mine. In the day, no matter what you say, we still live with a construct to a degree. We still got to play the game by yeah. certain rules, but at the same time, he's showing us the loopholes like Donald Trump. He's showing which crap is how they get their taxes. Facts. He's showing you a loophole at the real estate. He's she telling you, but you're not listening to that. You watch, watch what that man hat said. You watch what shoes he got. You watch what his chain, how much it costs. What he's driving. It's a fact. 
Come on, man. Damn, you gotta same. wake up, man, and stop doing that shit. Nigga, like I said, that shit go from every level, man. From the hustling game, like it ain't like how it used to be. Mm-hmm. You gotta get back to being men, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Back in them days, you told, you, you hear stories about even Pee Wee Herman and them. Tell you stories when he was 15, 16, doing grown man shit. Nowadays, you have a thirty-year-old man talking about, man, I'm still young. I'm only thirty. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like men regressed. The men want to be young now. Nobody want to be old except their age, except that you got to be a man. Especially if you got a woman. You got fucking three or four women, and you ain't have, you ain't in the position to be doing it. That's a fact. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got no good intentions with them, and I've been a part of that. It's a, it, and that's why I like when you debate that motherfucker Tommy. Because you know why? He starts at the end. He don't never start. He start in the middle of the story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He don't never start when why this shit is like that it is. And we not making that an excuse and saying, all right, yep. that's justifiable. But we're telling you, this is why. This is what we dealing with. We dealing with women that come from this. Same way we dealing with men that come from this. We all fucked up. Post-traumatic slavery syndrome, like you said. Mm-hmm. You can't take people 50 years out of 1,600 plus years mm-hmm. of oppression and think they're going to snap back into everything is going to be just known. That's a fact. We, yeah, we get high. Yeah, we watch that shit. We looking for something because at the end of the day, we trying to figure the fucking this shit out, man. Mm-hmm. Without complaining. Because then we taught that we can't complain. Mm-hmm. That's we right. We taught that we can't. So, so we, 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 just, we always looking for a mechanism to cope with this shit. So, so on the way out of here, I just want to say peace out to my man, Brother Polite. Thank you for coming through once again. Man, brother, stop it. <laughs> brother, stop it. We got it in, man. I appreciate you. Yes. So be sure to download the app, Brother Polite. Just Brother P-O-L-I-G-H-T. Pride, Optimism, Love, Integrity, Gallant, Honesty, and Trust. Download the Brother Polite app. All you have to do is write Brother Polite. And you'll get the app. Go to IamBrotherPolite.com. Sign up for our health courses or purchase any of the 90 plus books that I've written thus far. And the associated DVDs. I'm also on Instagram at Brother underscore P-O-L-I-G-H-T Brother underscore polite And of course Facebook.com Forward slash Brother polite Peace